This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. Dr. Jitinder Serene is Medical Director of the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority's Mental Health Program. Doctor, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for uh, having me. What's your background uh, here in Winnipeg? And, uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm... Um, a psychiatrist, and I've just taken over this week, actually, the medical director role um, for the Regional Health Authority uh, Mental Health Program. I'm the head of the Department of Psychiatry. I've been um, in Manitoba and practicing as a psychiatrist for the last 16 years and um, done a lot of work in suicide prevention, military mental health. Big picture, and we have talked before, but the big picture here is how many programs, um, how many people do you oversee? Do you have that sense yet? Um, thousands, uh, I mean, wow. Yeah. So uh, I oversee this, um, both the adult system, all the different hospitals in the city, uh, the community programs. Um, so it's encompassing. Yes. Are we getting better at diagnosing and identifying those? And usually it's, it's our children. Are we getting better at identifying those with, um, mental health issues. We, we are over time um, uh, getting much better in the in the last uh, ten to twenty years. Um, I, it's one of the reasons I went into psychiatry and mental health is because um, I saw it as a profession that uh, really was uh, underserved and and not recognized. But in the last twenty years, uh, um, there's been a lot of progress in in assessment and using um, diagnostic clinical interviews and trying really hard to get an earlier um, uh, identification of emotional difficulties, trying to improve practices both from psychological treatments as well as medication treatments. We often, and and I know a a little bit over the years of doing a lot of stories about um, mental health in this province, is that it's still one of those areas where it's a struggle for funding, it's a struggle for resources, and it's a struggle for psychiatrists. Um, from a resource perspective, as you start to get an assessment of you know the enormity of the problem in your department, how many people are you down right now? If you were given the opportunity to hire some people here, how many psychiatrists are we short right now? Um, probably about uh, 50 to 100. I, I mean... It, and that's one of the, the major th- reasons why there's been an increase in the number of psychiatry residents. Uh, when I uh, graduated in 2000, there were five residents per year that were um, graduating. Now, within our training program in Manitoba, there are 12 per year. But we need to have resources for those to, when they graduate. If you had 50 psychiatrists on staff, 50 more now, there'd be enough people out there enough clients for them to... Absolutely, absolutely. So how long are those folks waiting for service? Depends on um, if you have a um, a general adult, often uh, between three to four months for uh, an assessment. If it's an emergency, usually within a, a shorter period. But are we not at a point where it's getting to an emergency where if we had enough resources in place that assessment would then get people into the system a lot earlier and it wouldn't result in the number of emergencies. You're absolutely right. Um, so if we can increase the number of psychiatrists and mental health uh, assessments, 
we can identify early, get people on the right treatments. Um, we know that the first year of a diagnosis, uh, onset of a mental health problem, that's the highest risk for suicide and emergencies. So you're absolutely right that we need to, to do that. Suicide is, what is it, the second leading cause of death among young people in Manitoba? Yeah. Behind yeah. collisions, behind accidents. Behind motor vehicle accidents, yeah. And it's um, young women, it's young men especially now too. Yeah. It gets us to the news in the sense that we have covered situations where the latest was at the Grace where, you know, people leaving uh, units and then doing harm. And you try in the past to have these units unlocked and, and take a moment to explain the philosophy behind that and then ultimately the decision to have this unit locked up because uh, you're trying to build trust with clients, aren't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the units um, over time have uh, been locked in in, Man- in Winnipeg. Um, you know, the idea has been to try to um, help the person have autonomy and safety um, and trust and so that they can uh, make their own decisions. But uh, we've noticed that um, there have been, there have been uh, an increase in resources in the community so people are getting uh, better care uh, after they leave the hospital. But when they're acutely ill or really depressed or uh, really uh, not feeling well with hearing voices, um, that at that time, for the safety of the person, um, it's, it's important to lock the units because of the high needs. Uh, and that way, it's, it's trying to balance both an autonomy for the person uh, so that they have their ability to be able to go out and, and visit family, but also protect the person. That's the case and has always been the case at some of the acute units at HSC, for example, exactly. where you have had you know the, 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 the worst of the problems on, on the mental health side. But on more of the community outreach facilities, like the Grace, for example, that has been an open unit. You have had some cases where, unfortunately, people have left does that get back to resources where if you had some more people on the night shift, they'd be able to see who's leaving? Does that is there a direct correlation there? Um, I, I think it, it, it has some relationship to resources, but it also is important for people to be aware that when people are on inpatient units, um, they're only restricted to the unit for a short amount of time based on the clinical decision. And they're uh, offered off-ward privileges as part of an assessment and treatment program to help them in a recovery-oriented approach. The decision made on the GRACE in particular, is that temporary or is that going to be a locked unit from now on? It's going to be a locked unit from now on. And and that's because of the greater needs of patients um, and the greater severity of patients going to that unit because it it has now become a regional unit. So people... um, uh, could be at, say, HSC emergency, but then go to Grace Hospital, where previously, about 10 years ago, it was a more of a community hospital. You have the unit at HSC. You have the one at Grace. How many other units do you have? Uh, we have one at St. Boniface. Uh, we have Victoria and Seven Oaks. How many beds more could you use? Like, are we still making choices between who gets in and who gets out? Absolutely, yeah. I mean... Almost um, every day there are people waiting in, in uh, emergency for a bed because there are not enough beds. 
Uh, and that's not just um, uh, an issue of inpatient psychiatry beds, but there are also issues of long-term beds at, at Selkirk and other institutions. Is this a crisis? Well, I think that, it, you know, if, if, I, I'm, if I was a family member and wanting help, uh, I think it is really important to address the mental health uh, issues. Actively. As the new medical director of the mental health program at the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, when it comes to mental health services, is this a crisis? Well, I, I think it, I think it, it could be called a crisis. I mean, I think that uh, you know it is important to really address this uh, uh, through resources. Doctor Jitinder Sarin is medical director of the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority's mental health program. He is on the job for just this week now. And the expectation is that um, he's going to be able to uh, coordinate resources a lot closer. It's difficult um, because I think one of the hurdles that you have to try to achieve is getting the mental health system working a lot more with the addiction system because the two are interchangeable. Yet uh, I've sat in this chair for a few years now and uh, I hear from both sides of the system, boy, I wish we could work a lot closely together more on the identification and treatment of individuals. What appears to be the problem there? Well, I mean, I think there is um, a, a number of problems. I mean, I think structurally the system's mental health system um, is funded separately from the addiction system. Um, there's also stigma. Um, often people present in crisis uh, with both an emotional difficulty and a, a addiction issue. Those are the people that are at the highest risk of, uh, of uh, suicide or early mortality. And... Um, Often, mental health problems are seen more as biological issues, where addictions are seen more as behavioral issues. Uh, And so sometimes, so it's really important, in my opinion, to really have a holistic approach um, from a biomedical as well as a psychosocial cultural approach. One can lead to the other. And I think that that is proven, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're yelling at me right now, my... I'm biologically getting uh, anxious um, or the other way around. So, I mean, the environment affects our biology and our biology affects uh, the environment. And so what's really neat, um, 20 years ago, there was quite a bit of conflict between psychiatrists even. Psychiatrists would fight and say, well, this is all, you know, your serotonin levels and ECT is the main treatment. And the other side would say, well, this is all childhood adversity. Now we're at that phase, an exciting era, era where we're seeing the interplay between uh, environment and biology. So if you have environments and how does that actually impact your brain and mind? So that's where the field is uh, and we really need to look at how we can translate that into um, treatments and, and, and improving recovery. As you go forward here, within the system here, what are your top three challenges? If I wave that magic wand and I give you that wand and you can address, what are those top three things that you have to address? Um, access is the, the biggest one. I think uh, uh, if I had to uh, choose, um, it's hard for providers to sort out our difficult mental health system. Um, there are different waiting times, there are different psychiatrists, psychologists, so trying to improve um, access in a timely manner so patients and families can understand a a clinical pathway. 
So that access then is related to number two, that's resources, correct? Absolutely, yeah. So you need to have enough resources and also innovate uh, new res- new ways of, of trying to think about uh, accessing care. I, I'm quite interested in using telehealth and technology. Uh, I mean, if, if uh, neurologists are able to provide um, uh, kind of... Uh, thrombolytics uh, and, you know, using telehealth, we should be able to provide mental health assessments and treatments across the province uh, using telehealth. Because there still is that urban rural gulf as well. And number three on the list. Number three is uh, uh, post-emergency visits, uh, trying to improve uh, care uh, because once someone has been in in the emergency or a mental health crisis, the services that are needed after that, uh, including families, uh, is really, really important. This government um, at least has pledged to uh, put more resources into the system, that they're committed to it. Uh, They have uh, addressed some of the red tape issues with the Winnipeg Police Service being allowed to release into the um, hands of a trained professional at hospitals, allowing their resources to be freed up. Um, I still see from, you know, dealing with the mental health system um, on a variety of of levels, that access issue that uh, at times people will call for help and they're told that um, we'd like to get you in, we'd like to get you that appointment, but there is the wait and people respond to the wait by then not choosing to access and and hanging on and um, it ends up in crisis. And um, we have to get away from that crisis and uh, try to get people that timely diagnosis sooner rather than later. Dr. Serene, great to have you with us. Good luck because this is one of those issues um, that affects all of us in one way or another. Dr. Serene is medical director of the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority's mental health program. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB.